Hello, and thank you for listening to Rangers to the Corps. This podcast is brought to you by the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, Wilmington District Environmental Education Team. With this podcast, we strive to keep you informed, educated, and give you a behind-the-scenes look at everyday life as a park ranger. I'm your host, Dylan Brown, and it's time to get to the core of today's topic. Hello, and welcome to the August episode of Rangers to the Corps. I'm your host, Dylan Brown, and with us today, we have Emily Jones, Carmen Boyette, David Schwartz, Grace Trimble, and John Bannerman as a guest today. We're going to discuss all kinds of fun things today. So we have exciting news since our last monthly podcast. We have had a change of command, and we would like to welcome our new commander, Colonel Brad A. Morgan. Congratulations to Colonel Benjamin Bennett, who retired after 27 years of faithful and honorable service to the U.S. Army and the Corps of Engineers here in Wilmington District. So without further ado, let's get into our icebreaker. So our icebreaker today is how old were you when you first visited a U.S. Army Corps of Engineers lake? I think I was about seven or eight years old, and as irony would have it, it was Philpot Lake. I was coming up here on a camping trip with my grandpa and grandma, and I call her Mima, and so... Mima and Papa had us up here on a camping trip with a family friend that my Papa worked for. Um, So it was me, my brothers, my mom, and another family friend. And we come up for a camping trip and a lot of firsts. It was a first time on a boat, first time at a lake, first time on a tube, and first time on a jet ski all in one trip. So it was a big time, a memory I'll remember forever. What about you, Carmen? Well, I was a a little bit older. Growing up, I I wasn't located close to any core lake. My family certainly did do some camping and things, but it was never at a core lake. I first learned about the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers from a flyer about a cooperative education or student intern position at Falls Lake. And it was during, I guess, around my junior year at NC State. So I was about 20 to 21 years old then. And I went in for an interview and I was offered the position. So before uh, the first day of work, I actually you know, went on a trip to, well, I was close by, but I made sure I knew how to get there. And so I'd be at, you know, at work on time. Um, and it was uh, Two Falls Lake. So that was my first time visiting a Corps of Engineers Lake. And uh, I know, I don't know, probably about a week or so later, I actually went for my first day. And, and I remember driving up thinking that it was such a, a beautiful place to, to work at. Awesome. So college was your first time. That That's very cool. You said that was a internship or was that a job straight up? Um, no, it was, um, well, we used to call them a cooperative education experience or a co-op student. Um, now we call it a little bit different terminology. Uh, I, I believe we call them like student intern positions now. Oh, cool. Um, but uh, yeah, so it was it was my first um, job with the Corps, which led into a full-time position later on. That's awesome. All right. What about Emily? When was your first time going to a core lake? Yeah. So I actually have kind of a similar experience to you, Dylan, which is funny. Um, So I actually had to ask my parents because I don't remember, but I am from North Carolina. And the first time I ever went to a core lake project anywhere in the country was here in the Wilmington district. And it was John H. Carr Dam and Reservoir, which is also ironic because that's where I work now. I used to have family that lived um, here on the lake at John H. Carr. And my parents said it was probably when I was somewhere between five or seven um, that we came up and visited that family member for the first time once they had moved up here. And I grew up camping as well with my family and being outside. And they had bought some property that had a really small house, so there wasn't even room for us to stay. And so we would actually bring our camper up here and park the camper next to their house and uh, hang out and everything. So yeah, so really uh, a good time coming to John H. Carbon, coming to John H. Carr, Car Lake, um, Bugs Island for um, a long time. So ever since I was, according to my parents, between the ages of five and seven. So <laughs> swimming, boating, all that fun stuff. So, yeah, kind of ironic as well. <laughs> That's awesome. Funny how everything tends to come to full circle. It really does. It really does. <laughs> all right, David, what about you? 
So very similar to Carmen's experience, me growing up in Western New York near Buffalo, Rochester area, there isn't too many core lakes. But during college, I wanted to do a summer internship or I may even had to do a summer internship. So I found out about the core via the Student Conservation Association. Uh, they had a volunteer experience with the Corps in Ohio at uh, Paint Creek Lake, which uh, Paint Creek Lake is in between Columbus and Cincinnati, kind of in the southwestern part of Ohio. And I volunteered there uh, for the Corps for about three months or so. Had a great experience, realized I want to do this at least for the next 20 or so years. And that was in 2009 when I was uh, in my early 20s as well. And uh, here I'm now in 2023 and still with the Corps. So it's, it's, it was a great experience. And here I am again. That's awesome. What about Grace? Hey, so I actually had a very similar experience as uh, David and Carmen. I didn't even know that the Corps existed until I was in college and looking for a summer internship, preferably paid. And I found the Pathways Internship program. Uh, my school had advertised it and I was going to school at Kent State University in Ohio. And so I got the position with the Upper Tuscarawas Projects in Tuscarawas County, Ohio. Um, and that's where I also became a full-time permanent park ranger as well. And then just recently I found out or realized, I guess maybe my dad's told me the story before, but I found out that he was a contracted construction crew a worker at Jennings Randolph Lake, which is on the border of Maryland and West Virginia. It's a core lake as well. So growing up here, I never thought I even had heard of Army Corps of Engineers until I went to college, but he worked on that lake before, uh, I think he built the tower or something before I was even born. So kind of cool. That is, that's awesome. It's kind of neat. We got a little family history, some special memories, and let's not forget, we got one more to hear from. John, what's your first Corps experience? Yeah, so I'm I'm more of a team uh, David slash Grace slash Carmen and that I actually didn't step foot on a Corps of Engineer project until I was in college. So I believe I was 19 years old and I was a sophomore at state. And much like Carmen, I interviewed and was offered a co-op position as a ranger. So I believe my first visit was to Falls Lake, as that's where I reported first. I grew up in Wilmington, North Carolina. So obviously my family didn't have to travel far to enjoy water-based recreation, and they weren't really much of campers. So there would have been two good reasons to come inland and visit some of the uh, inland lakes. So I, I really didn't have much opportunity per se. Maybe I passed over on one of the highways that goes over the lakes on the way to the mountains, but my family famously calls themselves Flatlanders. So they really didn't, they didn't really like to leave the beach very much, which I, I do understand. But I work at a, at a really beautiful place here at Jordan Lake now, and I am happy to be here. Awesome. So as I said earlier, a lot of family connections to Core Lakes. A lot of us found out about them through college. Some of us were fortunate enough to find out about them at a younger age. The cool thing about today's podcast is that we get to take everyone on a virtual trip, if you will, around the whole district. So our goal of today's podcast is to take a trip around Wilmington District. So I'm going to turn it over to Carmen and she's going to lay out our trip itinerary. Thanks, Dylan. So this month, we're going to explore the many different recreational opportunities across the five lake projects in the Wilmington District. Last year, our lake projects hosted close to nine and a half million people and visitors to the lakes enjoy a lot of different things, activities from swimming, boating, camping, hiking, picnicking, bird watching, hunting, sightseeing, educational programs at our visitor centers, campground programs, and more. And today we will highlight some of these recreational opportunities and tell you about what makes each project unique. So for the next few minutes, sit back, relax, and enjoy your tour around the Wilmington District Lakes. Back to you, Dylan. Awesome. To keep everything in line geographically, let's go from mountains to sea. So I think we'll start at Kerr Scott. Okay, Grace, what's the name of your project? And tell us a little bit about where your lake project is located. Okay, so I work at W. Kerr Scott Dam and Reservoir, which is located in Wilkesboro, North Carolina. It's about 35 minutes, I guess, south 
east of Boone and about an hour west of Winston-Salem, right on uh, 421. In 1960, Congress authorized the Wilkesboro Dam and Reservoir to be built, and construction started in September of that year. And the dam was completed in August of 1962 for the purposes of flood control and water supply. And then in 1963, the official name was changed by Congress to W. Kerr-Scott Dam and Reservoir in honor of our former governor and U.S. Senator from North Carolina. William Kerr Scott. So now there's a debate on whether it is called Carr Scott or Kerr Scott. I've heard it both ways and I'm not from here, so I don't know which one's correct. If anyone has any input, please feel free to tell us. Well, I'm fairly local to the area and I always heard it called Kerr Scott. (laughs) That's awesome. So yeah, Kerr Scott was the first lake I ever worked at as well. I started there as a seasonal. So it has a place that's near and dear to my heart. I also went there a couple of times growing up. What can you do at Kerr Scott? What all kinds of recreation activities are we looking at? At uh, Kerr Scott, there are all kinds of recreation activities you can do. You can visit us at our Visitor Assistance Center located at 499 Reservoir Road in Wilkesboro, North Carolina. We have a little museum there that talks about the Overmountain Victory Trail, as well as some information about the lake and history of the area. Uh, We have an environmental education center located in the bottom floor of our Visitor Assistance Center. And during the summer months, it's open on weekends, but otherwise it's open by appointment. And we have three campgrounds, four swim beaches, hiking and biking trails, boat ramps and fishing piers, and wildlife management areas for hunting. Uh, So we have all kinds of um, recreational opportunities to offer. You know, if you like anything in the outdoors, we have it. So come see us. Awesome. Well, you answered my next question, which was, can you hunt? So that's one of my favorite activities. Do you guys have any handicap hunting opportunities by any chance for those with accessibility issues? So we have five wildlife management areas where you can go hunting, which includes Dark Mountain, Smithy's Creek, Fort Hamby, Marley's Ford, and Boomer wildlife management areas. Uh, We currently do not have really handicap accessible hunting opportunities at the moment. We did have an accessible deck at Marley's Ford for waterfowl hunting. And the deck is still there, but the impoundment, the waterfowl impoundment that was created for specifically for accessibility hunting, uh, that impoundment has drained and it's not currently a waterfowl impoundment. So we do offer a youth hunt every November, partnering with the North Carolina Wildlife Resource Commission. As far as hunting goes, there's plenty of opportunities. Uh, there's some areas that are bow hunting only, and we have you know acres upon acres of, of hunting grounds. Awesome. What about fishing besides on the water, obviously, which what a lot of us like to go to the lake to do. What about uh, land access? Because I hear people talk about access being an issue all the times with, you know, not wanting to walk through somebody's yard to get to a good spot on the lake or something like that. So are there any like public fishing piers or uh, public fishing areas that the public can enjoy? Yes, we have uh, lots of places to fish along the shoreline at our lake. Some of the public's favorite fishing spots are Blood Creek Overlook, Tailwater Access Area below the dam, along the face of the dam, and of course out on your boat or kayak on the water. Um, but anywhere there's a, a boat ramp or any any of our public where the shoreline is not like, you know, right in front of someone's house, you're free to fish. Uh, um, Dark Mountain is also a really popular place to fish along the shoreline there. Speaking of kayaks and whatnot, as far as kayaking, paddle boarding, those like individual water sports like that, or non-motorized water sports, I should say, uh, is there a good place at Kerr Scott to do that where you don't have to worry about too much wake or anything like that? So we currently have six boat ramps around our lake where folks can put in their boats or kayaks or canoes. You can also put in your canoes and kayaks or paddle boards um, anywhere along the shoreline that just has really easy access. Uh, Dark Mountain is a popular place to put in. Let's see Smithy's Creek beside the boat ramp is a really popular place. And then Boomer Park, where the boat ramp is, is a really popular place to put in. And I would suggest put in, um, if you're not wanting a whole lot of wake or you know, competing with the jet skis and the big boats, go to, say, Boomer Park and put in right beside the boat ramp, and then you'll be in a little cove. So a lot of kayakers like to go into these little coves where it's really peaceful and quiet, and that helps uh, you to stay out of the main channel of the lake. 
We also have life jacket loaner stations placed throughout the park, specifically at the swim beaches, but also at some of the gatehouses throughout the park for those who don't have personal flotation devices. Awesome. Yeah, that's a great program. I see people utilizing that a lot, which always makes me happy. Where do you recommend people swim around the lake? So we have four swim beaches, one inside Bandit's Roost Campground that's specifically for the campers there. And then we have three other that are open to the general public at Boomer Park, Berry Mountain Park, and Fort Hamby Park. There's a $5 charge per vehicle to get into all of our day use areas. And those swim beaches are in our day use areas. Um, I would check if you're going to come for the day. I would check our Facebook page to see if the boat, boat ramps or swim beaches are closed because anytime our lake gets up a certain elevation, uh, we have to close those areas because the water just gets too high. Even if our lake goes up, you know, three or four feet, our beaches are underwater. And then it takes a little while to get them cleaned back up and get back open. So yeah, always check our Facebook page or call our visitor assistance center for the latest and greatest information on our areas. Awesome. What about during the off, what we consider the off season? So outside of what we call the recreation season, which is basically summertime for those who are listening and not familiar with our recreation season. So outside of summertime, outside of the rec season, when during those cooler months, what do you suggest to do around Kerscott for that time of year? During the cooler months, there's always biking and hiking. Our trails stay open year round. We have, if you have kids, you can visit one of our playgrounds or visit our visitor assistance center or our environmental education center. During the, the cooler months, not the summer season, our environmental education center is not open to the public, but you can always call visitor assistance center and ask for me and set up a tour or just set up a time that you and your family, or if you're in a homeschool group, or if you're a teacher and you want your class to come out, I do a lot of tours and field trips during the school year. Uh, We also have a disc golf course at Fort Hamby Park, which is open year round. Uh, Currently right now during the winter months, it's we allow foot traffic only in Fort Hamby. And there are many options for wildlife viewing at our lake. And many people come to take pictures of nature and do birding during the off the typical summer recreation season. Awesome. So it sounds like there's a lot of options there. All right. So the one everybody wants to know, I'm sure, what is the bread and butter of Kerscott Lake? What is the one thing that it seems like everybody comes there to do? Well, I guess it depends on who you talk to. Um, We have a lot of people who go boating and fishing. You know, you stop and talk to people who've been, it's it's multi-generational. They've been going there for many, many years and their father went there, their parents went there, their grandparents went there to go fishing. So it's a, it has a long history in our community of, you know, a place to recreate. But I would say, you know, even just outside of this, this immediate area, if you're looking at even the whole state or even the country, we are probably best known for our world-class biking trails. We have about 40 miles of biking trails ranging from beginner to advanced and uh, we have two beginner trails, one on the Over Mountain Victory Trail and the Green Meanie on the Dark Mountain Trail. And then our newest section, Headwaters Trail System, which branches off of Warrior Creek Trail System, is the most difficult. IMBA rated it as a Black Diamond Trail. So most of our trails are rated moderate. And all of our trails were put in using grant funding and our Northwest North Carolina Mountain Bike Alliance volunteers uh, keep all of our trails maintained. I think that about wraps it up for Kerr Scott. I think that's a pretty full trip there. Is there anything else you wanted to add, Grace? No, I think that about covers us here at W. Kerr Scott. It's a beautiful lake and a beautiful area to work and recreate. So like I said, come see us and check us out. Thank you. Well, we're going to go on up the road. I think our next stop is going to be Philpot Lake, which is my lake. It's that time of the year. We absolutely love being on Philpot Lake. It's so pristine and so quiet. But did you know you can also easily get lost? Well, it's happened before. Here's a couple of things to remember. When you're down by the dam, the numbers that you see along shore will be small numbers like a one, a three, a five. The further upstream you go, the bigger the numbers get. 
That's how you remember. And by the way, always file a float plan before you get out on the water. Know where you're going and tell your friends, too. This message from the U.S. Coast Guard Auxiliary Flotilla 81 and the United States Army Corps of Engineers. Partnering to make Philpot Lake just a little bit safer. So Philpot Lake's in Bassett, Virginia. It was approved by Congress in 1948 after several catastrophic Bassett floods from the Smith River. The dam was completed in 1950, so it got built really fast. And then the powerhouse was on station and making power in 1951. So as far as what you can do at Philpot Lake. A lot of our lakes are pretty similar. All of our lakes, obviously great fishing. Philpot Lake has trails as well. The the views are great. A lot of people just come here just for sightseeing. So a lot of boating opportunities. We have three campgrounds as well. Goose Point's a beautiful campground. It's one of the most sought after here at the lake. But Horseshoe Point is really good for tent campers. So if anyone wants an awesome view tent camping, the tent sites at Horseshoe Point are right on the water. So they're wonderful. Then we have uh, Salt House Campground. Salt House is a great campground, very family oriented. See a lot of families in there, lots of kids. One of the things I think is the most unique about Philpot Lake is it's the only lake I've seen so far that has a recreation area on an island. So we have Deer Island out in the middle of the lake, and it has, I think, 20 campsites on it. Now, they're very rustic campsites, just a picnic table and a lantern post and a fire ring. But the cool thing about them is they're boat-in campsites, so people usually put in a boat at Salt House Campground and paddle over to Deer Island with their friends and hang out over there for the night. The fishing at Philpot Lake is pretty good fishing. Uh, we got a lot of walleye, so a lot of people like to come to Philpot to walleye fish. But I've also seen some very successful catfishing done as well as bass fishing. There's several bass tournaments held up here. The fishing itself, it, it's pretty good. It's a different type of fishing because we have a natural shoreline. So don't think you're going to come to Philpot and do any dock casting or skipping under docks or anything like that because we only have about 20 of them on the whole lake. So your fishing at Philpot is going to be mainly natural structure. And then hunting, we offer lots of hunting opportunities at Philpot. And of course, that's governed by the Department of Wildlife Resources for Virginia. We have three that's part of our Corps of Engineers property, three wildlife management areas. That's our sorry for it. So that's uh, Menifee, Landon Hall, Spring Branch, and then Rifle Range. So Rifle Range is actually pretty cool. It was an old Army training rifle range way back in the day. So a lot, lot of history there. It's a, it's a neat place. Then also going out Goose Point Road, you have Ferry Stone Farms on either side of the road, and that's managed by the state. It's not on Corps of Engineers land, but it's very it borders it. <laughs> Lots of acreage there to hunt. Good proximity to Goose Point. When we had winter camping going on, a lot of people would camp at Goose Point just so they could hunt Ferry Stone Farms. So lots of cool access around. Trails at our lake are pretty good. I can't remember the exact mileage. I know we have one trail that's about a six miler that goes from the dam along the north shoreline all the way to Salt House Campground and then it goes out of Salt House Campground via another a separate trail called Laurel Ridge Trail to uh, Twin Ridge. Uh, the name of the trail that goes from the dam to Salt House is Dogwood Glen. And then by the visitor center close to Philpot Park, we have what we call a fit trail, which is designed to have several fitness stations around it. You can kind of run a circuit through there and stop and do exercises every so often. Oh, yeah, I almost forgot. We have a brand new trail that just opened up this past week. It's called our GBAC Overlook Trail. GBAC is a partner and organization who helped build it. That's the greater, that GBAC stands for the Greater Bassett Area Community. So that organization got a grant for us to construct that trail. It's really neat. It takes off at the visitor center parking lot and works its way out to a little point. And from that point, you can see over top of the dam from the backside and see the lake behind it. So it's a really unique view. Then as far as boating, yes, there's tons of places to boat. One of the prettiest sites on the lake is Calico Rock, which 
which is up by the run it bag fishing access so it's really neat up there it's just a really pretty cliff face as far as kayaking paddle boarding that sort of thing goes there are a lot of little coves around philpot lake so there's plenty of places to kind of slip in and not be bothered too much by any wake or anything like that i would say the best spot for the public to access somewhere like that would probably be bowens creek bowens creek you can put in a paddleboard there there's a couple coves you can skip to and have a pretty relaxing time another good one would probably be run it bag access which is kind of tough to get to it you got to take a lot of back roads to get around to it and it feels like you're going to the middle of nowhere but that cove it comes out to in the back which is close to calico rock it makes for a really nice paddling experience and then um, from there you can paddle way up otter creek and run it bag creek by the rifle range wildlife management area see all kinds of sites so that would probably be my go-to spot for paddling as far as where i recommend people swim any of our swimming areas really they're all about the same as far as the south side of the lake goes if you're close to the bassett martinsville area bowens creek's going to be your nearest access if you're coming from stewart virginia sort of to the west of the lake goose point's going to be your best access but on the weekends we only allow 10 day users in there a day due to the demand of the campground on the day use areas if you're on the north side of the lake so rocky mount to Callaway, Virginia, I would say, or Ferrum as well. You have Horseshoe Point Park, which has two swim beaches, and then you have Salt House Branch Campground, which also has two swim beaches. And all those swim beaches are really nice to go to. When it's cool, come up here during the color change. Our overlook is awesome. A lot of photographers like to come up to the overlook and capture the fall colors because the fall colors over the water, it just makes for a stunning view. Also, it's hunting season, so we have lots of wildlife management areas. So if that's your thing, come hunting. The one thing you can't miss out on at Philpot Lake, I think, is probably the natural beauty of it. Saying natural beauty sounds kind of funny because, I mean, it's a man-made lake after all. But when I say natural beauty, I mean the shoreline is mostly undeveloped. You have very few docks. It, it just, it kind of feels like a like a mountain lake with, you know, a little bit of isolation. You know, it, it feels remote in a way. I think a lot of people find that gives them a little sense of escape, and it's very picturesque so it's definitely a fan for a lot of photographers so that's it from philpot lake so let's go down highway 58 through virginia a little bit down to john h Carr lake we love the summertime on philpot lake but always remember before you get underway check the weather first take a NOAA weather radio with you and don't forget to file a float plan which basically says here we are we're going to be leaving at this time we're going to here and we're coming back this time a float plan it can save your life and make rescue a whole lot easier if you get into trouble this word from the u.s coast guard auxiliary flotilla 81 and the united states army corps of engineers making philpot lake a little safer for everybody So let's hear about it, Emily. Where is John H. Carr? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, first, I listening to you and um, Grace speak about the lake projects you work at, which we, you know, often call them lake projects, the reservoirs, the dams. You know, I just keep hearing all these hilarious names and I just don't know the history of them. So that might have to be a different podcast because we all have so many different recreation areas and different things and they all have interesting names. You know, I'm just so fascinated by that. So speaking of names, that is often a point of contention at John H. Carr Dam and Reservoir. And so we will start there. Okay, John H. Carr is located right on the North Carolina and Virginia state line, which is an interesting spot to be at. We're in the Piedmont of both areas of those states, so kind of more um, rolling hills, if you will. We're not in the mountains anymore, but we're not quite in the flat areas yet of either state. So John H. Carr Dam and Reservoir is John H. Carr Dam and Reservoir. It is pronounced Carr, to Grace's point earlier for W. Kerr Scott, but Carr, John H. Carr Dam and Reservoir is named after the um, Congress person from North Carolina, John H. Carr, pronounced like you drive a car. But the 
lake project was also called Bugs Island, which is where we get this kind of name. <laughs> Interesting conversation about the name. And that is actually also correct. So both Bugs Island Lake and John H. Carr Dam and Reservoir are the correct names. With the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers in the Wilmington District, we call it John H. Carr Dam and Reservoir. It is Carr Dam. But Bugs Island Lake is also technically a recognized name in the state of Virginia. So yes, so we're located right on the state line in the Piedmont of both states. We're close to Highway 58 and 85. So it is an Interstate 85. So it is an interesting spot. We're only a few hours from a couple of really big cities and the beach and the mountains. So it's kind of nice if you're looking to (laughs) come from a bunch of different areas or pass through to go to a different part of the state. So the dam was started, the construction on the dam was started back in 1947 and then didn't finish until 1952. And so it took about five years to build this dam. It is a fairly large dam though. And so hydropower dam. So it took a took several years to get it done. And then obviously 1953, we start to get into the more um, operational aspects of, of the dam itself and um, all of our recreational opportunities. So we have a visitor center, which is located near the actual dam, car dam itself. And we also have an environmental education center, the Joseph S.J. Tanner Environmental Education Center, which is located right next to the dam itself. You can't miss it. If you go across the dam, you can't miss the uh, education center. And then our visitor center is right down the road. So, um, yes, a lot going on right at the dam itself. Awesome. So how's the fishing at car? I hear people all the time say they go fishing up at Bugs <laughs> Island. So so yes. let, let me in on the secret. <laughs> okay, so there's a lot of fishing at John H. Carr um, or Bugs Island. I should also just mention that Bugs Island is an actual island, but it is actually downstream of the dam. So the upstream side of Carr Dam is the lake itself. It's the reservoir. The downstream side of Carr Dam is where we're getting into the Roanoke River. And that's where Bugs Island, the actual island, is when people talk about that. So fishing is very popular on both sides of the dam, both the upstream and downstream side. Obviously, at our tail race park, the fishing is pretty prolific, especially when they're generating for hydropower. So, yeah, very, very popular. And upstream of the dam in the reservoir itself is also really popular. We have more than 100 fishing tournaments here every year, more than more than enough fishing. There is a lot of fishing and it's a lot of bass fishing. It's a lot of cat fishing, fishing for catfish, noodling, as some people like to say is popular around here as well. So lots of different fishing, lots of different fishing tournaments. We've had some pretty big fishing tournaments, major um, fishing tournaments come through the lake itself as well. So a lot of fishing. I do not fish. Um, I get asked all the time. I'm sure you guys get get asked to where is the best fishing spot, but nobody wants to share because they want that little fishing spot to themselves. So (laughs) yeah, but definitely a big fishing fishing spot, big boating spot. Uh, So I see I'm not getting any fishing secrets from you either. Just like all the other locals, nobody wants to share. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know any of the good spots because nobody shares. (laughs) (laughs) That's classic. Other than the tail race, people fish at the tail race all the time. I mean, they call that generate that number, uh, the phone number and get that generation schedule and they are there. It is like, you know, (laughs) people flock there. I bet. (laughs) And so do the birds. (laughs) So what about hunting opportunities at John H. Carr? What all do you guys offer there? We do offer quite a few hunting opportunities. Um, So the lake itself here is about 50,000 acres surface area, but we manage about 55,000 acres of land around the lake itself as well. We have 26 wildlife management areas that are actually designated. There's also land that's not designated that we manage that's kind of like wildlife management area, but not, you know, doesn't have a name, isn't in our wildlife management book. But we do allow um, hunting in our wildlife management areas. At John H. Carr, um, it is hunting is a very popular thing to do. We often encourage people to call our office, our visitor center, to ask for specific details because we are not the only management land management agency operating around the lake. And we also have third parties that lease areas from us. And so depending on if you're in North Carolina, depending on if you're in Virginia, depending on if you're in a state park operated land or a DWR, Department of Wildlife Resources, North Carolina Wildlife Resource Commission, or in some of those leased areas, those regulations change. So we really encourage people to 
there's not a one one rule fits all, unfortunately, you know, that would make things simpler, but that's not the case. So we encourage people to call our office, call state offices, call the state parks to find out more information about hunting in specific areas because it is a little bit complex. So here at John H. Carr, but there's ample opportunity. Lots of people do it. They love doing it, but we do encourage people to call because of all of that. <laughs> Oh, yeah, definitely understand that. All right. What about the trails? What trails do you guys offer? So we offer quite a few different trails, not 40 miles. That's really impressive over at uh, W. Kerr Scott. But um, we do have several miles of trails. We have a nature trail, um, interpretive nature trail right here next to the dam, um, Liberty Hill. And then we also have the Mumford Trail, um, which is a seven miles one way trail that is a multipurpose trail. So we have a lot of horseback riders that are on that trail, bikers and hikers. So those are kind of our two main actual designated hiking multipurpose trails. A lot of people, because we have 26 wildlife management areas, there's roadways within those. Not all of them are open to vehicle vehicle use, but a lot of people go in and walk along those roads, um, not only to hunt in, in the designated hunting seasons, but also to bird, to view wildlife and to just get exercise. So a lot of people use the wildlife management areas in that capacity as well, in addition to the designated trails. Awesome. So tell me a little bit about our water opportunities. What water opportunities are available, especially for our paddle folks? Yeah. And I'll talk about swimming too here. So we, the lake is pretty big, as I mentioned before, 50,000 acres surface area. So it's fairly large. We have a lot of boat ramps, a lot of campgrounds. We manage four campgrounds here at the lake. It's about 500 campsites. And then there's also state parks operating on both North Carolina and Virginia sides of the lake that have ample camping and boating opportunities as well. So I think there's more than 18 boat ramps here, uh, like way more than 18 boat ramps. And so we actually have quite a lot of different areas in the lake if you prefer to be kind of more in the larger open water sections as well as kind of more in the creeks and coves there's um, quite a few different actual boat ramps you can launch from so boating is very popular and of course we all talk about water safety when that when we when that kind of comes along there as well we also do have some specific kayak canoe launches that are ada that fit some ada requirements so they are accessible so we do have a downstream of the actual dam itself at Tail Race Park, there is an ADA launch for kayaks and canoes that you can actually paddle downriver and then get out at what we refer to as Still Creek, which is a bridge. And there is a ADA accessible kayak and canoe launch there as well. So we do have that. We do also have, which I've failed to mention with the fishing, we have a couple of different ADA accessible fishing piers here at, at John H. Carr in some of our different parks. So good to call about those details as well. So we do have a lot of people that love kayaking, paddle boarding, some parts of the lake in the rivers that come into the lake. You know, it's a bit shallower, so there's really great birding opportunities up there as well. And so a lot of people like to launch their kayaks and paddle boards upstream a little bit further and, and paddle around up there. In addition to that, of course, we have swimming. We have swimming right on the lake. You know, people jumping off of their boats swimming. But we really recommend that folks, if they're swimming, if they're a day user just coming for the day or camping, that they swim in our designated swim beaches. We have uh, 13 designated swim beaches in core parks, core managed parks. There's more in the state parks along the lake as well. And so we recommend that people that people just like everybody else, you know, everybody on the podcast is they swim at designated swim beaches. And that's because we have life jacket loaner stations there. And because, you know, we're making sure there's no underwater obstructions in those areas as well. So it's a big safety thing. And we recommend people swim there. Great info there as far as the swimming areas go and good information for all of our paddlers. So let's talk about the off season. What we got to do in the off season during those cooler months. Yeah, we have uh, quite a few different recreational opportunities. A lot of wildlife viewing, just like other folks have said, birding is a big thing in the winter. We're kind of right along the migratory path for a lot of birds. And so birding is really big here. 
hiking as well, of course, you know, those trails, those wildlife management areas with the hunting, that's all public use spaces. We also have a disc golf course. It is closed at the moment. If you want to learn more about that, call our office. We do have a disc golf course that people come. We normally have winter camping as well. That is not happening this year either due to some septic sewage updates, but normally we do have winter camping. And of course, the wildlife management areas, like I just mentioned, I even go, you know, hiking and (laughs) and birding and stuff in those in the winter as well. So yeah, so definitely a lot of different opportunities. People still, even though it's cooler, we do still have a lot of people fish in the winter in our quote recreation off season, a lot of boaters still boating and a lot of people hunting via boat as well. And so not just, you know, on foot. And so definitely um, a lot of a lot of opportunities still. I feel like the only opportunity that doesn't really happen so much is just the swimming. <laughs> you know, it's a bit cooler. The water's cooler. We're not necessarily swimming, but pretty much everything else still happens. Very cool. So uh, if you could tell us or somebody asked, what's the main thing that people head to Bugs Island or John H. Carr for? What do you tell? You know, I really had to think about this because there's just so many different things going on here. It's kind of hard to choose. And really, like Grace said, I think depending on the person you ask, it would vary. But I feel like the answer is either boating or camping. There is so much camping around John H. Carr. People have been coming to camp here, just like Grace was saying. You know, It's multi-generational, as well as we're not far from a lot of big cities. And so we get new campers and they keep coming back. So I feel like camping is a big thing, but also the boating is big as well. This is a really big boating lake. So a lot of folks come here, whether it's with their sailboats or, you know, with a power uh, motorized boat or with a human powered boat, you know, the the boating here is is pretty big. And then I think a subset of that is the fishing. There's so much fishing. <laughs> so, yeah, I did not. There's that's like a lot of things. But if I had to narrow down the list, I feel like those are the biggest. Well, thanks for showing us around John H. Carr a little bit. Is there anything else you want to tell us about for you? Wave goodbye. No, just come see us and, you know, ask for rangers. Talk to us. Let us know you're here. Um, We love to meet people and uh, chat with them about the lake itself. Awesome. Thank you. Well, we're going to get back on the road and head south. Hi, I'm Captain Tom. I've got a word today about wearing life jackets. They do save lives. And best of all, they're very different from the ones we all had as kids, which were not so comfortable. Nowadays, life jackets come in all shapes and sizes and different styles and materials. You will love it. Check out today's life jackets. They will save your life. Please do it for your family. This word from the United States Coast Guard Auxiliary and the Army Corps of Engineers, Philpot Lake. So let's hear from David Schwartz, and he's going to tell us a little bit about his project. So I'm proud to say that Falls Lake is not named after a politician. There's not really any confusion what Falls Lake is called. Is it Car Lake, Kerr Lake, Bugs Island, Debbie Carr Scott? It's just Falls Lake. <laughs> no politician. Funny, David. <laughs> um, what a relief. Falls <laughs> Lake is located right near Raleigh, North Carolina, probably 30, 45 minutes or so from downtown Raleigh. Stereotypically, we're, we're probably known to other people in the state or maybe even other rangers in the, in the district as a city lake. But let me tell you, you get in the woods and you get on the trails at Falls Lake and you'll have no idea that you're near this close to a city. I mean, there's 60 miles of the MST, which is the Mountains to Sea Trail that goes, you know, from the whole state of North Carolina, passes right through Falls Lake. So you can hike for 60 miles and may not even see a single person and everything. But Falls Lake was a pretty newer lake uh, with the Corps of Engineers. We were built in the late 70s, early 80s. I was just trying to see when Jordan Lake was built and i think they're they're within almost months a jordan lake is just on the other side of raleigh but in the early 70s or, or late 70s early 80s and there's no shoreline permits there's no shoreline docks pretty much it's all just kind of open water meant more for flood control and water supply for uh, falls lake right there so tell us a little bit about what all we can do at falls lake what kind of opportunities do you guys have down there So I'm going to put the bread and butter first. I mean, I guess when you think of Falls Lake, uh, a lot of people come here for hiking, biking, moving your body type thing. Like I said, the MST goes from Murphy, North Carolina, the Manitou, North Carolina, and it goes right through Falls Lake. So we have 60 miles of hiking. You can't really bike on that trail, but you can do biking in other parts of the 
uh, lake area as well. Falls Lake is pretty much leased to other agencies to the state of North Carolina. So the core we manage just at the dam and then everything else is pretty much leased to the state. So whether it's state parks, the game commission, uh, Wake County, the city of Raleigh, um, but it's all uh, public land as well. What, whether you do some camping in there, boating, fishing, paddle boarding is a big thing, canoeing. It's all pretty much able to do at Falls Lake as well. I heard one of my favorite words again. You said that fishing word. So how's the fish? <laughs> how's the fishing at Falls Lake? <laughs> I mean, coming from Emily and Debbie or uh, cars or uh, John H. Carr Reservoir, I mean, our fishing is not like that. <laughs> we don't have a hundred uh, fishing tournaments. Um, we're kind of a newer reservoir, so we don't have the uh, aquatic life built up that like other lakes do. I mean, it's not bad. We still have the normal uh, crappy catfish, bass, and everything, but it's. Uh, I don't think anyone writes home on a posted uh, card. Do people still do posted cards? But anyways, I don't think anyone writes home from a Falls Lake vacation and talks about the fishing compared to the boating, just being out, you know, away from the city and just being out in the woods and everything. So you definitely can fish and there is fish there, but it's it's not the, the reservoir like other lakes are. So I think social media posts took the place of uh, postcards. So I guess we post fishing pics now. So uh, shameless side note, if you send me your fishing pics to the Philpot Facebook page, I will definitely plaster your face on the Facebook page. So if you want to show off your fish, let me know. All right. So what about like wildlife management areas and hunting opportunities? Do do y'all have any of that at uh, Falls Lake? So the game commission manages most of the woods around Falls Lake. I mean, there there is uh, definitely opportunities to hunt with the game commission. Um, we don't have any wildlife management areas that we definitely manage. And I don't really even know if the wildlife manages specific areas like the other core lakes. The whole woods around Falls Lake, the majority of it, if it's not part of a park, is known as the uh, Butner Falls of News Game Lands. So it's almost like one big WMA or wildlife management area. So you can definitely hunt in those uh that game lands area that north carolina has at falls lake but that's all through the game commission and there's different areas whether it's bow hunting or you can use you know shotgun in this area but it's uh it's definitely more regulated compared to other lakes just because we're so close to people so close to uh, the city it's definitely a little bit different but i mean you're still able to hunt though just kind of make sure you're you're in a, a place where you can hunt and not too close to a house or something like that Oh, well, that's cool. I'm kind of surprised uh, they allow hunting there anyways, just being that close to Raleigh, but I really don't know that much about it. I, I'm ashamed to say I, I think I've been to the visitor center there, but I don't think I've actually been to any of the lands around there. But definitely having uh, like bow and shotgun areas, that makes a lot of sense. So I'm I'm glad they have those kind of opportunities that close to uh, to a town like Raleigh. And Dale, and I probably should say we do have wildlife impoundments for uh, on the very upper end of the lake, almost near Durham, um, that I think they're permit only and everything. You have to go through the Game Commission to get a permit to be able to hunt on a specific day for the wildlife impoundments. Um, so there is those as well, um, which is maybe kind of unique to Falls Lake and hunting is the wildlife impoundments. And that's really big during wildlife time in our waterfowl, excuse me, waterfowl impoundments in uh, January. Duck hunting is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, that is awesome. Uh, that's that's something that I know Philpot and Kerr Scott have both tried in the past, but the our impoundments just haven't worked out for one reason or another. So that is nice that you guys are able to have that up there. All through a partnership with the Game Commission. I mean, they pretty much regulate all of that, manage it, and all of that up there. So it's partnerships make it happen. That's right. So uh, you mentioned those trails a little bit. Do you do you want to elaborate any more on the trails at all? So 60 miles of trail, or at least that one trail, the MST that goes through Falls Lake. And there's also volunteers of the Friends of the Mountains to Sea Trail. That's probably one of our biggest, if not our biggest partner at Falls Lake. Um, they normally have maybe six or so work days throughout the year where they take care of all of those 60 miles of trail. They may focus on one section at one time and everything. Um, but I mean, it's very well taken care of by a lot of uh, volunteers that love the trails and the public uses them probably every day. But I mean, 60 miles uh, of trail is wonderful. Um, but I mean, that's the land. I mean, obviously you can Maybe there's might be some water trails in terms of paddleboarding and stuff, but in terms of land, the uh, 
MST is wonderful. I mean, the FMST, the Friends of the Mountains Sea Trail, the volunteers that help out with us, I mean, they're great as well. That's awesome. What about boating? What we got boating-wise, especially for our paddle sports? So one thing unique to Falls Lake is we have a special section where there is no motorboats allowed, no gasoline-powered engines. So if you have a canoe, a paddleboard, maybe even a battery-operated, you know, a motorboating thing um, without an engine, that section is just awesome. That's known as Beaver Dam. There's a very small dam that separates it from the rest of the lake, so there won't be any, uh, you know, big, massive boats on there and everything. It's pretty much just like a small craft. Eat your own power and making a go and everything but the whole rest of the lake is also open to boats as well it gets quite busy on the weekends um if you're coming out and want a boat on falls lake i would recommend during the week the weekend just gets a little crazy everyone has a weekend off everyone comes to falls lake to boat it seems like you know probably maybe even too many boats at sometimes especially on holidays so we offer the same opportunities at the other lakes we just kind of are a lot more people over a smaller area oh very cool so that that's definitely unique having a no motorized portion so that's i bet people love that especially those uh, with kayaks and paddle boards and all that fun stuff i mean it seems like if you just buy a paddle board and you're in rally the first thing you're going to do is go to beaver dam and and launch it there and everything (laughs) and then you may realize it takes way too much to blow this thing up and then you just put it in your closet for the rest of the summer but at least you want the beaver dam once hey at least you tried right (laughs) (laughs) all right so where do you recommend people swim so we have three designated swimming areas. Sandwind Beach, Beaver Dam also has a swimming beach, and Rowan View has a swimming beach as well. Those are our designated swimming beaches. As a park ranger, that's where I should sit, or that's you know where we say to swim. I mean, in theory, you can swim, you know, off your boat and along the shoreline. Those areas haven't been searched. Those areas are you know could be underwater hazards and everything. So we definitely recommend swimming in designated areas. We have life jacket loaner program. You know, life jackets available for use and, and rental right there as well. So it's all about being safe here at Falls Lake. All right. So the one everybody wants to know, what's the bread and butter of Falls Lake? I mean, obviously the trails. And one thing I did think of is at the dam, we are at the start of the Raleigh Greenway. That is a paved asphalt trail that goes all the way to the next county. So that's like 20 miles of a paved trail uh, that goes along the river, the Noose River. So we it starts at the dam. A lot of people park at our tail race parking lot and hike down um, and walk, bike, jog, whatever, down that trail. So definitely the takeaway from Falls Lake is trails. Whether you want a mountain, you know, kind of experience in the woods, you can go on the MST or in kind of varying terrain and everything or if you want a asphalt walk along the, the river and uh, just be nice and flat there's the raleigh greenway that starts at the dam as well so falls lake is all about moving your body whether it's walking biking hiking jogging or doing whatever well, that's awesome, David. That's a great resource to have that close to Raleigh, which is a big research town, big college town, having a place where everybody can come and get that exercise and not have to be in a gym. You can get that exercise in outdoors and have plenty of options to exercise because I, I know like me, every time I try to work out in a gym, I get so bored in a gym <laughs> doing the same routine every week and I lose interest so quick. So something like that where you can break things up and get rid of some of that monotony, man, I, I bet that's great. Mm-hmm. And it definitely gets utilized on our trails. I mean, it's there's definitely people here. Awesome. Well, thanks, David. Definitely appreciate it. And if you're in the Raleigh area, student at NC State, anything like that, go give them a look. All right. So let's skip across town and go see Carmen and John. The next time you go out on Philpot Lake, remind yourself, what would happen if the captain on that boat got hurt, had a medical emergency? Would you be prepared? Would you know what to do? That's so important. Remember, boating safety starts with everybody. Take a boating safety course and practice ahead of time for emergencies. This word from the United States Coast Guard Auxiliary and the Army Corps of Engineers making Philpot just a little bit safer. So you guys want to tell us a little bit about your project? Sure. Yeah. So Beaver Jordan Dam and Lake, much like Falls Lake, is located about 30 minutes from downtown Raleigh, just the other direction. So we're south and west of the Triangle region. So uh, the the dam is in 
the small town of Moncure, but the project lands and waters actually stretch up into Chapel Hill, Durham, Morrisville, Cary, and Apex. So we're, we're pretty solidly within that main triangle area, per se. The historical event that kind of set the wheels in motion for the creation of the lake was a major flood event in Central North Carolina back in 1945. It was actually considered the, the homestead hurricane, so it hit Florida, moved up through North Carolina into the Northeast, uh, but it dumped a lot of rain in the Cape River Basin, and it actually caused... I believe it flooded about a third of the homes and businesses in Fayetteville, North Carolina. And being that Fayetteville at that time was a pretty important regional commercial center, Congress was actually authorized studies to determine best locations for a flood control project to protect Fayetteville. Uh, and they initially determined that here in Moncure was the best place to construct a dam. So it was finally authorized in 1963. Construction began in the late 60s, and it finally reached full pull in uh, early 1982. So that was about the same time as Falls Lake. It started construction earlier, but due to some various delays, lawsuits, that sort of thing, it, it didn't get finished um, until about 20 years after it was authorized. So much like Falls Lake, all the nearly all the project is managed by various state agencies. The Corps of Engineers just has responsibility to manage the, the dam infrastructure, the spillway. We do have a boat ramp that we manage as well, Pose Ridge. There are no private docks or homes, again, much like Falls Lake. So, you know, we do have the benefit when you do visit, you see a wide natural buffer outside of the existing recreation areas when you visit the lake. And an interesting fact about the lake is that it's named after uh, former Senator B. Everett Jordan, who married into the Kerr family. So definitely is related to W. Kerr Scott and possibly related to John H. Carr. So it, it's kind of wild that you might have three lakes named after people that were related to each other all in the same district. Man, those early generational politics, man, they they were tight. <laughs> That's right. They ran deep. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So what all is there to do at Jordan Lake? So he, here at the dam, we, we maintain a visitor center with, with a handful of educational exhibits. We also have an overlook, a pretty popular overlook deck behind the visitor center. This is obviously not going to be as nice as your vista of a fill pot, but it is about 100 feet above the lake, so it's always pretty impressive for folks to come visit it for the first time. We do have a lot of walkers and rollerbladers that frequent the dam. Um, it's closed to vehicle traffic, but you can but you can walk and rollerblade on it, which we see quite a bit these days. The tail race, which is below the dam, we have a handful of mini shelters, flush restrooms, an ADA accessible pier. So it's it, it can be pretty popular, especially in the warmer months. But in the cooler months, um, and I'll talk about this later, one of the uh, one of the things that brings people out is our bald eagle population, and so we'll have people coming from all over the region to try and capture some of the congregations that happen on the on the trees in the river just below the dam. And it's really not uncommon for us to see a photo of twenty, sometimes even up to thirty bald eagles at a time in one camera shot. So. That's always really neat to see. Bald eagles are really cool, but I'm just stuck on the fact that you said people are rollerblading up there. So is rollerblading back? Is that is that a thing again? It's uh, yes, inline rollerblading is clearly in. So you better get with the program because you're going to get left behind. Oh man, I'm going to have to dust them off. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, I think it's been since. Uh, like, I don't know, sixth grade since I've been in a pair of skates. So, very I, well, cool. I, I know um, Falls, I'm pretty sure, they, I would be very surprised if David is not seeing that as well. Uh, I know even one of our former Rangers here, he, he used to tell me he used to go rollerblade, inline rollerblade on the Raleigh Greenway Trail that, that uh, Ranger David just talked about. So, it's definitely coming back, I think. You see everything in these city wakes, I guess. <laughs> That's cool, man. What about uh, let's let's do the hunting and fishing together this time. So, what, what hunting and fishing opportunities you guys have available? 
Yeah, so Jordan Lake is a is a popular destination for for anglers. You know, we're within a pretty short drive of what now two million people. So uh, people are going to come to the closest resource a lot of times, and, and this is it, us in Falls Lake. Just within the past few years, we were visited by a professional bass fishing league, so that that brought more attention to us as well. I'd say the most the the most commonly targeted species are going to be largemouth bass, crappie both black and white and um, and catfish. And it's I've heard that the lake actually has one of the better trophy bass fisheries in the state. Um, and that was that was actually ported, supported by some of the, the big bass that were caught in that tournament. I think some of the largest were eight, nine, 10 pounds. So we definitely have some big ones in the lake. And you can fish, I mean, anywhere in the lake that you can access the water, you can fish. So it really mainly comes down to access points. I know the, resource, the Wildlife Resources Commission, the state agency, they do a great job of supplementing some of the existing natural structure with some artificial habitats. Um, and they're all going to be buoyed and they're all going to be identified on our lake brochure. And you can pick that up at our visitor center. As far as hunting goes, um, I mean, a lot of the same visitors that come to fish will also return to hunt during the season. We have close to 30,000 acres of Wildlife Resource Commission lands, commonly referred to as North Carolina game lands. That includes our managed property here. The Corps of Engineer managed property um, are included in those game lands. We have seven waterfowl impoundments. And again, everything that I made, we don't have any lands that are directly managed by us. Everything is going to be managed by the Resource Commission. So this isn't the the Corps of Engineers per se. This is the state. Um, But they manage seven waterfowl impoundments, many tens of food plots, and they even have a few dedicated uh, dove fields for dove hunters. And although we do have uh, have sponsored some opportunity, some handicap hunting opportunities in the past, most of that is going to be coordinated through the Resource Commission. They they typically take the lead. Uh, We do have a handicap accessible blind, though, in our managed lands. It's close to our boat ramp, Poser's boat ramp. Um, So if that is something that you are interested in, please contact our office and uh, we'll direct you to the right ranger that you can talk to to try to reserve that ADA accessible blind uh, and get a key for it and, and put you on the counter. All right, that's it. You've talked me into it. I'm going to pack my stuff. So y'all have a position open or what? <laughs> um, we Well, we did. You just missed out. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. You did, didn't you? <laughs> All right. My, my same ranger position here, as a matter of fact. So, hey. Okay. Uh, <laughs> All right. So I know everybody's got to go pretty soon. So we'll do boating and fishing at the same time. So what kind of boating and fishing opportunities do you have? I'll talk about boating and I'll talk to you a little bit about the trails. So we have a lot of boat ramps um, on the project managed by various agencies, including us. We have one of the boat ramps as well, Pose Ridge, that we manage in our office. And we do get questions all the time from those on, you know, kayaks, canoes, paddle boards, where to go. They don't want to get waked out. They don't want to uh, deal with just wind waves. So some of the best places that I recommend here at Jordan are some of the road causeways on the north side of the lake. It's a lot shallower, so you don't have to worry about those big wake boats putting out a lot of wake on you just because the depth is so shallow. Uh, and with the the butt end of the road causeways, pretty much every one of those has big gravel pull-offs now uh, that you can pull off and just walk a short way down to the water with your, uh, your equipment. Uh, another option is the Weaver Creek sub-impoundment, which is um, simply just a sub-impoundment blocked off by another causeway. That's on the southern side of the lake if you're coming from more from the Raleigh-Holly Springs area, and that is right off of Beaver Creek Road. It's probably about 90 or 100 acres or so, um, and it's pretty popular for those uh, non-motorized folks. The trails, uh, we have a lot of trail offerings. We maintain about six miles here at the Dam and Visitor Center. State parks, though, they have a lot of wreck areas around the lake, and each one of those has a decent amount of trails within each park. So uh, you can always visit one of those state park areas. I think our most unique offering, though, is the American Tobacco Trail, which is about a 22-mile trail, and it's actually equestrian-friendly, so you may see a horse while you're on that trail. It starts on USACE property on the south side of the lake and actually terminates right there at the Durham Bulls Athletic Park in downtown Durham. 
Awesome. Uh, pro tip on the horse trails, watch your step. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> no. So uh, what's your bread and butter at Jordan Lake? What, what do people come there to do mostly? I talked about this last month, so I, I think I'm just going to bring it up again. Our, our bald eagle population here at Jordan Lake is... Definitely what brings, I would say, are, are the most unique clientele out just because it brings people from, you know, pretty far away at times, sometimes South Carolina, Virginia, different parts of North Carolina. Um, and they'll specifically come a lot of times to the tail race park in the wintertime. So January and February are going to be the best months to see congregating bald eagles. And what they're doing is they decide that they want to get along for a couple months because eating is, is so much easier right there at the dam where we generally our, our releases are a little bit higher in the wintertime. So fish might come through a little bit stunned. They obviously won't kill them, but it'll, it's kind of like going through the washing machine when they come through the, the, the outlet work. So they'll come out and it'll be um, basically an easy buffet lunch or dinner for the eagles. So because it's so easy to hunt for that amount of, for that time, they will congregate and they will tolerate each other. And they will, they will be sometimes 10 or 15 on one tree. And again, like I mentioned before, 20 to 30 on just a handful of trees that you can capture in one shot. So it's really easy to, to get down there. I will say that we have had to tell folks that, you know, be sure and give eagles a lot of space because they can be sensitive to humans. Some, not so much, some very sensitive. So we try to tell people to stay as close to the parking lot as possible if they do come, because if you if you start walking down the, uh, the riprap shoreline there, they will just go farther downriver out of range and you won't be able to see them as well anymore. So if you do come this winter uh, in January and February, just be sure and stay close to the parking lot. And many of the wildlife photographers there are really open and, and willing to give pointers and helpful tips and talk about their equipment to any any newbies um it's a it's a really good uh collection of folks that like to come down there a lot of regulars so uh hopefully we'll see you out there that's awesome i didn't realize uh for wildlife photography especially bald eagles was such a big thing there so that's definitely great to know anything else you want to hit on before we say goodbye and wrap our trip up um i think that about covers it for um for Jordan Lake, I will say um, I will I'll give a little shout out to the to North Carolina State Parks. If you do come to Jordan Lake, just be sure and stop by the State Park Visitor Center on Highway 64. They have some really great exhibits about the history of the lake that we don't have here. Our um, our exhibit area is pretty small, so we can only put so much in here. But they have a much bigger proper exhibit area um, that talks a lot about the the different wildlife history and um, a lot of the different recreational aspects of this lake. So be sure and give them a visit if you come. Thanks, John. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for thanks for coming on and being with us today. Yeah, happy to do it. Awesome. All right, so. Does anybody else have anything before we wrap things up? All right, Emily, do you have our safety tip of the month? You betcha. I was really thinking because there's so many different aspects to water safety, but for this month, because we all talked about some of our different recreation based on the water and everyone talked about boating, many different forms of boating, man-powered and um, or human-powered, as well as with, you know, motorized boats and everything. I want to remind everyone, if you're out on the lake, even if you're swimming, that you need to know your buoys. We're having to do a lot of buoy enforcement here at John H. Carr. I don't know if it's similar elsewhere. It seems this summer. It is very important that any boater, anybody recreating near and around the water knows your buoys. You need to know what they mean. You need to be able to identify them what the symbols on them mean. You need to know what the channel markers look like. You need to know about all of the different types of buoys, their shapes, the colors, all that stuff, and make sure you're informed before you get out on the water to make sure that you're not going to get into any sort of trouble or get into any sort of pickle while you are actually boating or swimming. So please make sure you know your buoys before you actually head out. Awesome. Thank you, Emily. And thank you, everyone, for joining us today for another episode of Rangers to the Core. We look forward to seeing you for our September episode. 
where I believe we will be discussing how we get things done. I think uh, that's probably going to be a multi-part series on uh, how we get things done because there's a lot that goes into our success as an agency and our ability to get the mission accomplished. So until next time, everybody be safe on the water. Have fun out there. Get outside. Have a good time. Thanks for listening.